0: Today, we are starting our first series called Dawn. Dawn means the first appearance of light or the first appearance of something. So this series that we're starting is all about discovery and specifically the discovery of who Jesus is. So what we see, this is gonna, we're gonna be in the book of John and what we see John doing is saying, he's telling us about creation's architect coming into the world we see the author of life write himself into the story and this is his advent he wants to preach with me he can come up Um, this is listen this is the advent this is the incarnation this is God unveiling himself this is his dawn And we're going to spend the next three months looking in this book of John, and we're going to have a conversation about Jesus. And we're going to be asking questions like, who is he really, who is he claiming to be, and what did he claim he was here to do, and are his claims the claims of a megalomaniac? A megalomaniac is somebody who has these delusions of grandeur, these delusions of greatness, and Jesus is unique. Uh, if you wanted to make an argument for the four most influential people over humanity, you could, you could have a list of four people. You could say it would be Gandhi, Muhammad, Jesus, and Karl Marx. You could make that argument. And Jesus is different from all of them. And he's different because he says this. He says that he is God. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? I mean, isn't it? This is the claims of a crazy person. How are we not dismissing him as this? And here's what I mean. I talk to people all the time, and I'm always I I love having conversations with people who aren't Christians about Christianity. And a lot of times, um, people, when we talk about it, they they like the teachings of Jesus. And how can we just, we like the teachings of Jesus when he's claiming that he's God? All right, so I have hope that's intrigued you a bit. We're going to jump into John. We're going to be in John 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5. And this has been called, John 1 through 5, has been called the most theologically rich statement in the Bible. So here we go. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that had been made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. In this Hex, John is so bold as to claim that if you find what he's talking about, you will have found the meaning of life. And here's what he talks about with the meaning of life. He talks about the search for the meaning of life, the stumbling in your search for the meaning of life, the finding of the meaning in life, and then the decision that you have to make once you've found the meaning of life. So, the search, the stumbling, the finding, and the decision. John is doing something masterful here. He's using a word that's very controversial and debated at the time, and that word is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the Greek word for the word word is logos, so in the beginning was the Logos. Now for, the, for, the, for some of the people he's writing to, the Greek people he's writing to, for them the Logos meant the reason for life or it was the meaning of life. In other words, the Logos is the thing that makes everything else make sense. It's the thing that you build your foundation around. It's the thing that you are made for. So if you're playing baseball... The Logos is the baseball. So can you imagine people trying to play baseball without a ball? They couldn't do it. They'd need to have the ball. They'd have to search and find the ball. If you've seen the movie Sandlot, you would know that if you're trying to play baseball and you don't have a ball, your life is, like, your, your life is over. In life, we're trying to find the Logos. So first, I want to ask you to be open-minded about the possibility that you haven't found what you're looking for. To be open to the potential that there is something yet still to be discovered. John's claim is that we are searching for the thing that we can build our life around searching for a foundation, searching for the thing that makes everything else make sense. And he's saying our hearts are restless until they find their rest in the Logos. But without it, our hearts are not restless. Our hearts are restless. So for the, gu- the guitar over here, the guitar is made for music. So if I took this guitar over here, And I started trying to use it as a hammer. Josh would come running up on the stage and he'd be like, What are you doing? And I'd be like, Hey man, you need to learn to share your stuff. I've got this nail here and I'm about to knock it into this piece of wood with the hammer. And I'd say, You need to stop being so selfish. And he would say, You don't understand. That's not what it's made for, that's not the reason behind the guitar. But if I understood what it was for, then it would have meaning, and it would have value. So if I tried to sell that guitar as a hammer, I wouldn't make anything from it. But if I tried to sell that guitar as an instrument of music, it's worth over $2,000. The reason for the guitar is music. Music is logos for the guitar. You are like the guitar. You're searching for the music. Longing to find your logos. And I think we have, to, we have to at least admit that we do have some void in our life. We are not all 100% satisfied. We have this pool of experiences And I think we have to be open to the possibility that we have not found what we're really searching for. That there's still something yet greater to be discovered. Maybe this deeper experience of the divine logos. That's why we're saying we want to leave space here for people to figure out what they believe. We want to leave room for people to ask questions about Christianity. We want to be a place where people can come and ask questions, and we'll be happy to point you to the experience that is offered in Christianity. And not in a way that bullies you, but in a way that pulls at your heart and reasons with your mind. So if you want to explore Christianity, what I'm saying is you can have that here. Now, for all, for those of you who already believe Christianity is true, I want to encourage you to allow, listen, to allow your faith to be refined. To allow the word to challenge you. To allow scripture to take you deeper into the beauty and into the majesty of who Jesus is, and what he's done. Because you know, you know this, right, that you've only scratched the surface. But I also want you to realize that in your searching, there's going to be stumbling involved. Both believer and skeptic, we are searching for this divine logos, and we're going to stumble over phonies along the way. So that brings us to the stumbling. Second point. The text says that we're all in darkness. So to walk in darkness means to be searching for this logos that you're you're longing to find, but yet you're stumbling because you can't see. You can't find the thing that will finally satisfy you, give you peace, give you meaning, and so you're frustrated. And when you're in the darkness, nothing makes sense because you can't see. So the Greek people that John was speaking to, they're searching for this logos. And there are two, really two conclusions that they came up with, two types of people. And so the first type of people are the Epicureans. And the, here's what the Epicurean said. The Epicurean said, we're searching for this logos. We can't find the logos. We can't find the meaning in life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to say, we have to create our own meaning in the pleasures of the world. So that's the Epicureans. The second are the Stoics. And the Stoics say, man, we're the same way. We're searching for meaning. We're searching for the, the logos, this divine logos, and we can't find them. So we're going to conclude that we have to create meaning through our morality, through doing good. So what I want to do is I want to give two kind of modern-day comparisons of these two types. And so the Epicureans first. Our version today of the Epicureans, especially in this area where we live, is to find meaning and purpose in our family, in our career, in our image, or just in achieving this idea of the good life or the comfortable life. The problem is that the things of this world never seem to really satisfy us. For example, money doesn't really satisfy us. I mean, if I said, hey, I'm going to give you a million dollars, you'd say, oh, that'd be so satisfying. The problem is, eventually, it's going to stop satisfying you. You're not meant to build your life around money. You're not meant to make it your foundation. John D. Rockefeller was the first ever American billionaire. And he's considered the richest man in modern history. And a reporter asked him, how much money is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. He never had enough of it. It never fully satisfied him. He made money his logos and he was left unsatisfied. Make food your Logos, and you become unhealthy. Make image your Logos, and eventually you're going to get old, and you're going to have wrinkles, and you're going to just be so unsatisfied with the way you look, and there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. Make fam- your, family your Logos, and eventually your kids are going to move out of the house. Eventually, you're going to do something that makes your kid angry, and they're going to look at you, and they're going to say, I hate you, and you're going to be crushed. Make a significant other your logos. Eventually, they're going to say something that breaks your heart. Eventually, they're going to do something wrong, and they might even one day leave you. If, and here's the thing about that, if you build your life around them, eventually you're going to crush them. See, what, what you're doing is you're trying to make them your foundation, but the thing is they're looking for a foundation. So if they become your foundation and they're looking for another foundation, then it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Everything just falls over. If you make, and this happens a lot, if you make your children your logos, it's really kind of a funny image if I'm going to paint a picture of it. Basically what it is, it's it's an image of you sitting on top of your children because you're trying to make them your foundation. You're trying to make them the thing that you build your life around and it's crushing them. You're suffocating them under the pressure of them being the meaning of your life. It's too much for them to take. Or maybe you're experiencing your parents making you their logos. All right, so that was the Epicureans. Let's look at the Stoics. Modern-day version of Stoicism is what I'll call modern-day religion. And modern-day religion says we've got this image of God that we have in our mind. And then we create this list of rules of if I do this, then I'm in And if I don't, then I'm out. If I do this, I'm accepted. And if I don't, then I'm out. And then, so we come to the end of our life and and we say to the God that we've we've kind of created in our mind and we say, God, look, I did it. And he says, well, you know, let me do this. Let me go back. Think of it like this. So you do all that. Here's the problem with that. Think of this. Think of it like you have this invisible recording device around your neck. And every time you say or think someone ought to live like this, the recording device turns on, and it records what you say. So you go to this God that you've created in your mind at the end of your life, and and you say, I think I did it. And he says, okay, and he presses play. And you listen, and you're like, oh, man, and you kind of start cringing because you hear the, the expectations that you had for what, how you ought to live, and you didn't do it, and you realize, man, I'm guilty. And by the way, I want you to know that is not what Christianity is. Um, a lot of the times what happens is people go from this Epicurean lifestyle where, where they're indulging in the pleasures of the world, and then some things happen, and they realize, man, I need to turn my life around. And what they do is they take the Stoic philosophy, and they start saying, well, let me follow this list of rules, and they use the church to be the place where they come to follow their list of rules. And I want you to know that that has nothing to do with what the church is. In fact, the church is useless unless it can point you to a greater logos. A lot of times people come to the church to kind of figure out a way to atone for their sins, and that's just not what it's for. If you are coming here for that, you're just going to be frustrated. All right. So what I want to ask you to do right now is open your mind to the possibility that Jesus could be this greater Logos. And if you are a Christian, to open your mind to the potential that you've only experienced a fraction of who he is. Everyone is searching for this Logos, and this is the job of the church, is to say, we think we found him, and we think this is who he is. So John is saying, this is the finding, this is our third point, the finding. John is saying, I found him. And it and he is not an impersonal force, but he is a very personal God, and his name is Jesus Christ. It's John's claim. And Christianity is saying, your hearts are gonna be restless until they find their rest in him. And Christianity isn't saying that Jesus is a path to finding the meaning of life. Christianity is saying is he is life. He is the meaning of life, him, a person. In other words, you want to know what it means to really live, to experience life the way that it's meant to be? He's saying then go to him. And Christianity is saying life doesn't make sense outside of him. He's the light that came into the world. Light helps you see. Light helps you make sense of the world. John is saying that he is the very fact of human history. He's the one you build your life around. He's the foundation. He's who you are made for. That's so what John's saying. He's saying he is music to the guitar, he's baseball, a baseball to the baseball field, he is food to the hungry, and he's home to the homeless. If you have this unrelenting desire within you for music, for, if you're a guitar, you have this unrelenting desire for music. If you are, if you're on a baseball field, With great baseball players, you have an unrelenting desire for a baseball. If you are homeless, you have an unrelenting desire for home. And if you're hungry, you have an unrelenting desire for food. Listen to this. If I find in myself desires that nothing in this world can satisfy... Only logical conclusion is that I'm made for something outside of this world John saying Jesus is the divine logos who's come from outside of this world to come and be your meaning and then Christianity makes a bit of an offensive claim And says that there's this divide, that we're searching for this meaning in life, and that there's this divide, and so because of that divide, we can't find it. You remember the invisible recording device around your neck? The guilt that you felt in your gut because of it? That guilt is the divide. but Jesus says he's come to do something about it. And he punches a hole in heaven, and he comes down, and he comes down to the cross. And on the cross, the whole big idea of the cross is he goes to the place of the guilty so that the guilty can find their meaning and life in him. Don't you see what's happening? On the cross, Jesus enters into all, ultimate meaninglessness, death. But then he punches a hole through death and he comes and he's alive. And he's saying you can find your meaning in life in him. He is life to you. Look, if the resurrection isn't true, then it means he isn't the meaning of life and you should go look for another. But if it is true, then he is life. He's the one you're made for. He's the one that makes you fully alive. Now, the problem for us we've got to make a decision about him. The claims that he makes about himself and the claims that his followers make about him demand a decision. You can't have a mild reaction to Jesus. Because of his claims, you have to say, I mean, he's making these major claims. Because of these claims, you've got to say, this guy's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he is the Logos. What do you make of him? St. Augustine says, I believe so that I might understand. What he's saying is go to him, and take the risk, say, I'm made for you, and give your life over to him. And then, if you believe that it is true, you'll find. That he is what you're searching for. He's that meaning of life. He's the one that you're made for. So what do you make of him? Let's pray. God, help us believe this is true. Help us see what you're talking about here. God, help us to see that you are our music. You're the one we're made for. We see that as we've been searching for you, you've been the one that's come and found us. Help us to understand what we've talked about today. God, help us to give our lives over to you more.